Hello and welcome to the episode of Back of the Grid. I'm your host this week, Tom, and I'm joined as always by Stu. Hello this week, Tom. And Chris. Hello. I'm struggling to keep a straight face due to all the dancing gifs that I know, have I've appeared never seen, due to our theme music in Discord. I've literally never seen the Discord <laughs> popping off so much like at the start of an episode. This is hectic already. Maybe we need the Just FIA even, to confuse even... their point system more regular. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a rowdy week. Yeah. So yeah. Right, okay. Here's here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about things but we are going to keep to the regimented order we've set in the document. Um, are we now? Are we? As soon as we derail from that, all chaos breaks loose, okay? So... that's Well, that's literally every episode of Back of the Grid we've ever recorded. You've just yeah, described but, there, Tom. So. But, the, but this one, this one is something else. You know that already. <laughs> so. We'll try, we'll try. But obviously the beauty of, of what we do is just we talk about what we... We'll, we'll go where, where the wind takes us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So the first point then is that Max Verstappen is a two-time world champion now. I um, feel like that's yeah. getting almost with a, a, with a lost. <laughs> like so, it's getting lost among all the other things going on, which I think is yeah a bit unfair. I mean, to be fair, it has been lost. Like the the fact that there's obviously like so much that's gone around it. There's also like lots of kind of key elements of him becoming a champion, as daft as it sounds, that we've missed out on. Like the way the race ended, you sort of missed out on the traditional, yeah. like, you know, like Horner to his drivers message, the, you yeah, know, the, all, the that, radio messages, all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like the the way it was Which, sort of I'm celebrated, just, just, just the, elements just, of confusion. There's just, it was just yeah. so messy. I'm just so going to come messy. in there and say, I'm actually like I find it hilarious that they don't have the radios for this. Have you seen? I mean, the, such a, like a big part of, of <laughs> like their media strategy is that oh, let's just do a team radio, radio yeah. for literally anything that happens. Like to the point now where they're doing radio messages during safety cars as radio highlights. Like, and it's just all <laughs> yeah. the drivers saying the same thing: "Oh, it's raining! Oh, it's raining! Oh, it's raining!" And now they don't have <laughs> actual good content because they're so. <laughs> disorganized and, and don't know yeah. their own rules that they they're now like missing out on like really important content that they should have it's kind of hilarious like i think it's i think it's really funny have you seen the um like seven minute highlights video on youtube that f1 puts yes out? i have with yes, what have. is very clearly crofty recording yeah him saying some lines long after the fact well yeah we joked about that in discord at the time i think with everyone that was there that was basically saying I think it might have even been you, Chris, that said, like, I can't wait for them to f get Crofty to just pre-record some rubbishy reaction, yeah. pretending that he reacted as he crossed the line, despite what he actually said was probably something like, is there, is there another lap? Is, is he just at the checkered flag? Is there another <laughs> lap? Thought there was one more lap. <laughs> like, it, but, I mean, it was the same everywhere. I just don't, I don't get it. Like, my whole complaint through all of this, um, is just that how how on earth has nobody from the FIA at some point gone? Hang on a minute, no, this, this should be full points. Like, who? Right, right. I can I can Before understand the commentary teams for 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 like um, making this mistake in the sense that pretty much all of us thought the same thing at the time. Um, but how does nobody at the FIA like governing? 
the race and watching over the race go we need to we need to send a message out to like the two commentary teams and correct them yeah like, how like does chris that is not about, happen chris is about to tell us i mean on, yeah because yeah, that's the next point it, really to try to tell us anyway i mean I, I think i don't know the answer to that question like literally but, the only place that it was the, the point system was correct was actually to be fair the on-screen graphics and i think everybody assumed that the on-screen graphics were wrong because literally yeah. everyone was convinced that it was not going to be four points so so the gist of it is we had the new rules after spa last year with the sliding scale of points based on um how much the race distance was covered um it used to be just 75 percent wasn't it just to clarify yeah, it used that. to be under 75 percent distance it was half points above yeah 75 was four points and they've got this now sliding scale of points that we've talked about before mm-hmm. pretty much everyone teams commentators journalists the lot were pretty convinced it was going to be 75 percent points based on the facts that i think they did like 54 percent race distance so there's a line in the regulations that's been there since 2001 that says if a race is stopped and cannot be restarted that line has never ever come into place that every previous race where they've given reduced points the race has yeah. been stopped they've and faffed around for a while and then given up this is the only yeah. time with reduced points rules they've ever stopped and then restarted and because that line is still there the reduced points rules just don't come into effect yeah now the, i was just gonna say that the, the the point that this becomes stupid basically is the point after the canadian race where they brought in the three-hour rule mm-hmm. so they brought so after that whole what year was it 2014 14, something like that 14, yeah. yeah so after that ridiculously long wait that we had in canada um, which then eventually got resumed and Button went on to win the race. The race went to full distance, so therefore no reduced points. Yeah. The 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 whole and then every other race has been red flagged and then not resumed. And at the point that they decided that they were going to set an overall maximum of three hours, that basically, you know, we're going to race to that time. That that rule should have been changed as well. That rule should have yeah. been written to remove the and is not resumed part and, of the rule. And and it absolutely must be an oversight. If you go back and read the FYI announcement when they brought in the sliding scale, all it does is talk about how it's avoiding points being awarded for not you know, not enough race distance and how it's, you know, proportioning points based on the distance actually driven it's absolutely an oversight and you have to bear in mind that this rule was written and reviewed by the fia it was mm. sent out to all of the teams and agreed on then mm. all the f1 journalists in the world reported on it nerdy mm. fans like us read about it it seems like not a single person has noticed this basically a mistake in the rules and that it's <laughs> now dropped into effect accidentally and crowned a world champion yeah i mean he's he's not necessarily <laughs> that's, when you it, put it like that that's hilarious it's bonkers it's not necessarily a mistake per se it's just that it it doesn't make logical sense to have a race red flagged after say one lap and then resume for three laps because that meets your minimum two lap uh, yeah your minimum two lap quota basically and so have like a four lap race and it'd be worth four points 
that's where it becomes farcical. Yeah, it makes and, sense. And, and I don't, it should have what been I don't removed. understand is, is is how was the Belgian still how was the Belgian Grand Prix because worth, the Belgian was Grand, Grand Prix point, was red flagged and never. No, the but Belgian that was Grand Prix was half point because oh, was of, because of the scale. Yeah, yeah, because of the because it? that's what the scale is for now. Suddenly that doesn't seem so bad. Suddenly that doesn't seem so bad now. And you know. The absolute cherry on top of all of this. Guess who wrote that new rule and forgot to take out the old line? Michael Massey. Mm-hmm. Like, like the Undertaker at WrestleMania, having the house lights go down and the music kicks in. Oh my God, Michael Massey has returned. <laughs> do, do, you know, do you know the thing? And crowned another you know champion. This, though, the, the thing, the thing with this though is, you can literally go get. So they publish the edited version of the rules. You can literally see the edits. You can see the pink edit either side of the rules. So I'm you just, can see where it was changed. It was changed to accommodate sprint races as well. The wording was changed, so it wasn't just races. It was events, I think it was, to make sure that it covered the, the same sort of eventuality in sprint race. And then it removed... Um, it removed the... the Reference to specifically seventy five percent points and said we'll use the the scale if a race is stopped and not resumed. So that that literal block of text that's caused this scenario was like the only bit of that entire sentence that wasn't pink, <laughs> and nobody like nobody's noticed it just sat in the middle of that sentence just, or not thought I've about the, the potential of, ramifications of it. I've just got a picture <clears throat> of Michael Massey bursting out of a coughing in the pit lane, like. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's it's ludicrous. Um, yeah. Should, should we move on to the next bit before we get too bogged down? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm happy the, to get bogged down. I'm happy to get bogged down. We've the one the one thing the one thing I will sort of I guess put forward. I, I don't necessarily agree with this because I, I don't think it's right because of the way that the logic would work. Is I I can see why there's a, there is a strategy element that a race that is resumed and then finished is potentially worth more points than one that is just stopped. And the reason being is that if the race is resumed and you know you've got an hour left of racing, you can essentially strategize to that hour and you know that the race is going to finish in an hour. Whereas if a race is stopped after five laps and then never restarts, there's an element of um, kind of potluck of where you are at that position. So... I can see that there's an argument to maybe treat the two scenarios differently, but four points for a race that's barely scraping past 50% is a little bit, like, ridiculous for me. I think that it either needs to be treated exactly the same or because of the potential, like, sort of different ways you can play the scenario, you would at least have a different... you'd, You'd have, like, two scales. A scale for a race that's just completely stopped and doesn't resume and a scale for a race that does resume and finishes as per schedule. You you should just write some rules and like tweet them to the FIA <laughs> and they'd be more useful than the actual FIA rulebook like, at this point. There was there was literally a shot of someone sat on the Red Bull pit wall reading a PDF of the rules to try and work out if they'd won the championship or not. <laughs> like Yeah. Pinnacle of motorsport. Pinnacle of motorsport. Pinnacle of motorsport. I do genuinely think, before we just move on from this, is that there's got to be a point where FOM seriously start to consider, like, do we want to, like, not be part of the FIA anymore? Yeah, like, I've been be- thinking about this. Like, 
why do the why do FOM and why do the FIA need to be connected in 2022? Like, yeah. what reason is there for Formula One has grown big enough now and is is a strong enough brand that it doesn't need the FIA necessarily to to function and to exist as an entity. Formula One would be just as sort of watched and just as um, just as revered around the world if if it wasn't an F if it wasn't an official FIA sanctioned thing. Because at this point, what does the FIA sort of what does being an FIA sanctioned championship even matter when the FIA can't even interpret implement and 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 write their own rules and, and and abide by their own rules you know what i mean like what's the point in the fia just bugger them off let's just be formula one management and we'll have our own sport the, and the fia can just go out and cock up someone else's sport i mean if if what is what has been sort of said unofficially this year is to be believed like the relationship between the two is approaching as strained right now as it ever has been and it's mm. it's not hard to see why is it um should we gain some more no. ridiculousness yeah yeah i mean there's plenty more there's plenty more i mean you this is well, that's just that was just a taster so we, so the go. thing so the thing that basically confirmed i mean confirmed the thing that allowed max to become champion aside from full points was the penalty of leclerc at the end of the race so had Leclerc finished second ahead of Perez, Max would have been one point short, I think point, it was. I think so. Yeah. He'd uh, have needed a 112-point gap, and if he'd have had 111 or something like that. I can't remember the exact maths. Um, but yeah, so there was the battle, essentially, between Leclerc and Perez on the final lap, literally going into the final chicane, that resulted in a five-second penalty for Charles um, for leaving the track, but an advantage and I don't think I necessarily disagree with the penalty per se because there was a little bit of a very strong move whilst he was slow returning to the track that essentially blocked Perez from like Perez had to run at him and he kind of moved and blocked him because he was slow from cutting the chicane so I don't necessarily have a problem with the penalty it's more just about the fact that um, how far back Perez probably was. That's the thing that makes it most questionable for me. Not necessarily yeah, what Leclerc did, but more about where Perez was when Leclerc went wide, I think. Because the penalty was for leaving the track and gaining an advantage. And mm-hmm. I, per, I, personally, I disagree with that. I Perez wasn't trying to pass him at that point. It's not like Perez was trying to pass him and then Leclerc cut the chicane. If that was the case, then... Fair enough. You know, if yeah. someone's trying to pass you, you cut a corner, give the position back, or you get a penalty. Perez wasn't really trying to pass him at that point. So I actually think the fact that Leclerc cut the corner and rejoined probably closer to Perez, probably not worth a penalty. But as you say, Tom, the way he then squeezed him towards the gravel and through the final corner probably was worthy of a penalty. So I think ultimately the result it, probably was right. But personally, I think yeah. it was for the wrong reason they gave it to him. It, it was definitely more the the manoeuver afterwards. The, the I'm going to call it a block because it pretty much was a block so, afterwards so Chris, that was more you, of a problem for me. So you want to give Chris? You want to give him a penalty for for defending his position? 
Well, when he rejoined, the way he did practically it. side by side, and he kind of pushed him off the edge of the track, and Perez had to back out of it. Well, and Pe- Perez never left mm. the track, though. Like he, he no, but when he, when Leclerc no, exactly. rejoined, seen, that was side the way by Perez. Side. See the way Perez squeezes people when he's defending. I don't. I don't well, this is the thing in modern F one: squeezing people off the side of the track is apparently okay, but I don't like that way of racing. Um, no, me neither. I, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm just yeah. playing devil's advocate. I'm not saying that I agree oh, yeah. with Leclerc for doing it, but. Um, I, I and I agree with you that the penalty, as as it as it is imposed, is, is probably incorrect penalty. Like the, for the, to, to the impose wording of it for, gain, for le- leaving the track and gaining an advantage. Uh, at best, that's he not left what happened. Track. Uh, yeah, at best, he left the track and didn't lose his advantage. It, yeah, it, it, I guess is yeah. a way. Or did it? But, or he didn't. He didn't. He didn't lose out. Because he left the track, do you know what I mean? It's not, yeah. yeah, it's not like he avoided being overtaken by leaving the track. But I do, track. at the same time, I think they were probably a bit... I, I think my biggest issue with the whole thing is how quick they were to apply the penalty. I think, given last week in Singapore, how long it took them to, to, to give Perez a penalty, to, well, multiple penalties, for which is what he, we what I argued last week that he deserved... It took him ages to give him one penalty for a infraction that he committed multiple times, and it took him until well after the race to do that. And it's literally taken him two minutes to throw the book at Leclerc. Why is that? Mm-hmm. That's fishy to me. But, that's, that's yeah, strange. But, but we've spent a whole week moaning about how they were far too slow. We we can't we can't sit here and say this is not good enough. It needs to be done immediately Agree during with that, the race. But- we can't do that, and then not, the second they that. do that, go, whoa, that's too fat. Like, no, no, we can't. no, 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 I'm not doing I'm To not me, doing, I'd have it. zero problem with how quick it is, and I wish they'd have been that quick about Perez. That's, yeah, that's the problem. That's it. It's... If, it, if it affects the race yeah. there and then, and providing that, that continues, regardless of the team in question, I have no problem. If well, it then the, goes the... back to how it was of dragging it out, I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll have a problem with it. <laughs> Yeah, so the the point I'm making is the disparity between the amount of time it's taken, rather than the the the, the fact that it you know took uh, took a short time on this occasion. Yeah, it's more the fact that on the one hand they take ages to go about it when X is the case, and when Y is the case. Well, when X when when this next penalty is applied, suddenly oh we know exactly what to do straight. How how what has changed in a week yeah, for exactly. them to suddenly be able to apply a penalty instantly? You know, it's it's weird. I mean, there's there's two factors. There's the fact that nobody let it go. The fact that, in my opinion, that like we all like everybody within this, from professional Formula One media to us to the people who are the fans, like literally everybody had a problem pretty much with the fact that it's mm-hmm. taking too long to make a decision like that. And yeah. that combined with obviously how critical of a decision. It, it is yeah. really in, in terms of the ramifications of it. Do you think they realised that at the time? <laughs> Probably. I think that is maybe the irony in it is that yeah. they made the decision that quickly but didn't actually realise how important <laughs> it was. But like I say, if, if that continues throughout further races, I don't have a problem. If yeah, they've, if if they've seen enough to basically say that is a penalty, it's happening, then do it. But If that is them learning it's got to be consistent. And- doing it a new way and they're consistently like that fair enough but yeah. the disparity in the space of seven days is very yeah. noticeable and i also yeah. think that, that 
you know they've 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 not given penalties for far worse transgressions than what Leclerc did as well there. So mm-hmm. Leclerc cut the corner, um, cut the, cut the chicane and carried on. And yeah, you know he did defend pretty hard as he as he got back on the track, but he's within his rights to do that because he's rejoined the track. Um, the if you you only have to look back to Abu Dhabi last year when when Verstappen when Hamilton cut the chicane there and yeah. didn't get Hamilton didn't get a penalty for that. So yeah. they're not those two situations are not that different. Um, it's only because it's on the last lap of the race on this occasion that it's. You know that 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 that's the main difference, I suppose. But like, it's a driver leaving the track and going and not 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 being losing disadvantaged. an advantage. Yeah, not being yeah. disadvantaged. Yeah, and mm-hmm. there isn't a rule for that, so you can't. You, you simply cannot apply the, and which I think is why the rule wasn't applied in the Hamilton case back in Abu Dhabi last year, is because there is not a rule that says you can't. If you leave the track and don't lose an advantage, then that, then that's a penalty. You know, that rule doesn't Was exist. It? Wasn't there something to do this? This is the difference, though. I think when you go back to that Hamilton one, I think the difference there in Abu Dhabi with Hamilton was that there was an element of him sort of slowing up to reclose the gap, wasn't there? He didn't. He didn't keep a lasting advantage. That's that's the way the word normally is. Getting in the track, uh, leaving the track, gaining a lasting with a advantage. lasting advantage. But and then how I can don't... you gain a lasting advantage on the last lap of the race? You could say that it's infinitely advantageous because the race is over (laughs) (laughs) i think i i I still stand by i think the reason that it's worth looking at as a penalty is because of the way that he essentially moved across and blocked checo because i don't that that problem with the blocking that but that's the ultimate yeah but he's he's moving at like probably 50 kph slower than perez like yeah but perez doesn't have to go around that way he can go around the inside yeah, but if Perez has made his commit, like you can't, you can't at fifty kph slower than somebody else just dive in front of him. You can lift, can't you? You can lift and not go into the back of him. Then. Well, that's yeah, but that's you, it. You that's what he's had to do. Going that way. Well, yeah, because, because yeah, but defended. that's what he's had to do. So because Le, yeah, because Leclerc was defending. <laughs> that's not defending though. That's just blocking someone. <laughs> I, I think the the whole point is as well though that it does tie into the next thing because. They're racing as though there's probably still another lap left, so there is. It, well, it, yeah, it does tie in. Well, yeah. Let's 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 talk about that then. So so does that move play out differently if they actually know that's the final lap? For so example, Chris, ex- explain to us. Um, just explain to us what happened there. Yeah. So in in another thing that all the teams were surprised by, um, the checkered flag came out a lap earlier than anyone seemed to expect. Um, so obviously the race was time limited not lap limited and as I think most people know by now the rules are that at the point the two hour limit um, ends the leader completes that lap does one additional lap and that's when the checkered flag is shown but in in more weird wording of the rules um, nonsense the race this time ended at the three-hour event limit, not the two-hour race limit. So, under the way the rules are written, when a race hits the three-hour overall event limit, the race ends at the moment it hits zero. So from the second it hits zero, whatever lap it is, wherever they are on the track, the leader is already on the final lap. And again, another rule that's badly written, probably not intended to be acted out that way, 
No one really knew it was going to happen. And actually, half the field carried on going at full racing speed because they weren't expecting it to be over. And they th- yeah. almost thought it was like a timing system error or something. Um, well, I mean, you only have to listen to Max's radio from the pit wall to the yeah, exactly. fact that they were literally telling him two laps, three laps. You, if you watch those final laps, it, it, they literally count him down. Three laps to go, two laps to go. Okay, final lap. Then about halfway around as he's getting to the Degners or something, I'm pretty sure he, he's then told, "Okay, we we think we think the race is actually over and there's been uh, a mistake. So just bring just like just bring it home now." And yeah. like, and then um, eventually they they confirm and tell him to to pit at the end of the lap. Um, like but... I've, I've seen this used as like another reason, like, "Oh, he shouldn't have been crowned champion yet." And I see that argument, but actually, again, by the weird quirk of the rules, it was done properly. But it's probably a loophole that's going to get closed for next season. But yeah, I, both both of them anyway. need rewording and fixing. And I think he, herein lies the problem. It's exactly the same problem of we've instigated a rule for a three-hour overall time limit and not considered all the other rules that may have an impact on. Yeah, exactly. Bas- basically, because this, to my knowledge. And I think that's, yeah, I should be right in saying this. Since the three-hour overall event limit, we've never hit it. No, I think this is the first time. Um, I think Monaco last Monaco last year came very close. I think, but I think this is the first time yeah. we've ever actually. Like, for example, Singapore went to time, but it went to the two-hour race time limit, not yeah. the three-hour overall time limit, and that's the difference. So we've definitely had races that have gone to the two hours. But we've not had any, to my knowledge, that have gone to the three hours, which is wherein lies the problem, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, oh, well, sorry. And Spa's been mentioned three hours uh, was reached. What I, what I mean by that, sorry, is races that have finished because of the three hour, the three hour limit. Yeah, yeah. Rather than races suspended and then reaching the three hour limit. Yeah. Sorry, so just to did, clarify yeah, they, what they, I mean for did, Discord. They, the, it's the one thing that they did actually do to regulation, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So they, they stuck that, to the rule on this one. Like they, they got this. Yeah. It, it, the, the problem here is the regula- the regulation itself is whack, right? Yeah. yeah. The so regulation the itself one. is just weird. Yeah. It's same for both of them. The points one, and then the way that it's ended, is a massive oversight of changing one rule and not looking at the impact it's going to have on others. Well, I think that's and the then, I think the whole thing needs a needs a bit of a do over, doesn't it? Now, like it's, it's, yeah, it's had so many plasters put on it and so many offshoots and weird things happen to it that they really need to break it down and look at in detail at every sort of article in there and establish, you know, simulate some situation. You know, the games exist these days. Like, if you were rewriting the rule book of Formula One. The first thing you'd do if you're a youngish person and you own a PlayStation Five, is pro- <laughs> or or any or any other games console, probably try and sort of simulate or artificially create those situations in in the or, real world, yeah, in, in, at least in the virtual world, so that then if they do occur, you know what sort of ramifications they can have to the sport <laughs> in the real world. I mean, and they you, don't you're seem talking to have done any simulation too logically there, Stu. That's I mean, Chris, yeah, Chris and I, problem, Chris and I know plenty about edge case testing. 
<laughs> this is it. We know like, plenty about yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, why don't they get like why don't they get actual like people who know how to test these things, these scenarios, see these scenarios into actually simulate these situations and and see if the rules hold up. Even just some proofreaders who understand the basic concept of motor racing would go the a long way. The basic concept of grammar yeah. and the written word. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing, right? If you go back to the, the points thing, the way that that's worded specifically, because we're talking about the wording, and you think about that sentence, you read that sentence and what's happened makes perfect sense. But you yeah, read that sentence really and you... Yeah, but you read that sentence before all this and you sort of look at it and you essentially, like, if you think about it with that that logical, I need to review these rules and make sure they make sense, like, you read that and you say, well, hang on a minute, what happens if it does finish? Like, why why is nobody in 21 <laughs> years, 21 years, why has nobody gone, what if it does finish? <laughs> what happens if it stops raining? <laughs> I mean, all right. I'm saying I'm being over a bit over exaggerated with the 21 years, but what the the 10 years it's been since the other rule change with the three hour limit? Because previously it's not it's not mattered. The race either would get restarted and would then ultimately finish, or it wouldn't it. finish and it would be the 75 percent that it used to be. So in this the past the it's issue. not mattered, but it's the 100 percent. It, it's the whole change of the three hour thing. So why has nobody read the rest of the rules? It, that applies to all of that. I think that's it. That like, you, you've hit the you've hit the nail on the head. It's the it's the tweaking mm. of the rules in isolation, without looking at the bigger picture. Yeah. You know, looking at what else, what what um the butterfly effect almost. You know, yeah. like how, how yeah, basically changing this rule is going to affect the the house of cards that's built up on top of this rule, and. Yeah, as soon as you you get to a point where you, you weaken so many of the fundamentals, and you oftentimes these rules are changed without really any consideration for how the rule was written in the first place as well. Yeah. So we, I mean, we could go for hours and spend ages and ages talking about the the dynamics of a rule book and how things shouldn't change without being considered for the other. But at the end of, at the end of the day, look, the reason this happens is because of, precisely because of that because they make all these changes and don't stop to think for a second. There's a lot of knee-jerk reactions, I think, happen, mm -hmm. especially in recent years in Formula yeah, 1 absolutely. regarding the rule book. And um, a lot of it is based on them trying to please the audience, trying to please Reddit, when everyone on Reddit is <laughs> kicking off about, like, you know, so-and-so, or, or podcasters, or social media people, or just the press. Like, they want to be seen to be doing things about it. And they're so desperate to be seen to be solving problems that they're just creating more problems for themselves in the process. So yeah, in my opinion, it just all needs, everyone needs to take a step back, look at all these rules and have a really good, hard think, a really, really good, hard go over these rules and make sure everything's spick and span because goodness knows what else is in there waiting to go wrong. And it feels like <laughs> at the moment, every, literally every race that we've, we've had, these last few races, we've spent more time talking about decision making and talking about yep. rule implementation than we have actually the racing on track and the, yeah. and, and the drivers That's the and worst the teams. Bit. That's and the I'm worst sick bit of it. Of it all. Yeah. I'm sick that of it. That is the worst bit of it all. This, this is why I said what I said before, like at what point do Formula One as an independent sport say that's actually what we want to be? We want to be independent because 
I mean, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Nobody at Formula One, like, was really aware of that situation as it was unfolding with the points. But it's not like anyone at the FIA was. And it, it's them. It's the FIA that writes the rules. And FIA serves the rules to Formula One management. And then Formula One managed the event and the sport itself. So at what point did Formula One go, you know what, screw this. We're just going to yeah. write his own rule book. It's only a rule book. We'll just I mean, what do, what do the FIA provide other than a rule book? Yeah. And, I think, and they're allowed to call it a world <laughs> they championship. They can't follow. Yeah. That's it. That's the only, the, only, the only thing the FIA actually brings to the table is the fact that they're allowed to call it the Formula One World Championship. But it's not like the FIA can turn around and say, oh, you're not a world championship anymore because we said. Like, what authority at this point do yeah. the FIA have to say that? Like, in, in the real world, like, the Formula One goes around the world and it has drivers from all around the world and teams from mostly Europe. But it's still a world championship. Whether the FIA say it's a world championship or not, it'd be a world championship yeah. in most people's yeah. eyes. So, you know, are we getting hung up on, like, what the FIA think too much? We're going back. I've sort of got, we've covered yeah, that and, a little bit. We're and this is the frustrating thing. Like, we even actively tried to start this podcast by talking about Max Verstappen before we got into all of this stuff and we instantly got dragged into it instantly like, failed yeah. we should yeah. right now we should say straight away what an amazing job Max Verstappen has done over, the, season, I, over the course of this season I he has genuinely, been flawless for the majority of it genuinely think this is going to go down as one of the all time great driver and team performances over the course of a championship he has been like this race alone like what was it 27 Ridiculous. seconds he won by in the end in a like barely more than half distance race he was just on another level yeah he's been yeah. unbelievably good um yeah it's hard to argue with him being the best this season i think i, I think oh, he absolutely. has been the best driver this season yeah absolutely um, there's yeah. no doubt about that for me so the best person has already won and yeah, and, and, and we can play agree on for it you know we can agree on that yeah. i think i mean it Regardless of what's happened this weekend, it was inevitable, realistically anyway, wasn't it? Like, even if it had gone on to next week, it was going to happen sooner or later. Like, yeah, you, you couldn't, we've we've talked about it for a good number of weeks of, like, basically, if Max can pull off something at this venue, we can see him winning the title by Japan or yeah, uh, America at the latest. And, I mean, it's played out, but we, how, how many weeks and maybe even months we've been talking about that potential prospect because of yeah. that like what was it a five five race stretch he had yeah. for, over Leclerc like so once, once he started like getting a bit of a leg up over Leclerc it was like five races and suddenly you look at it and think that's that gap's getting bigger like Leclerc and it, Leclerc just never had what it like had it to come back at him like whether it was the mm. car or himself like he's just not been able to keep pace with him and that feels like you're doing Leclerc a disservice as well. Like, Leclerc's drove well this season. It's just Max has been, like, on that extra level. And it's the, similar to when, this. like... Yeah, it's similar to, like, certain years that Vettel had, certain years that Hamilton's had recently, a couple of the years that Schumacher had at Ferrari. Yeah. Like, yes, there's an element that the car is better than the ones competing against it, but there's also, like, the driver being at the top of what they're doing fundamentally right now and I think that's kind of the era that Max is in at the minute and it can only go from strength to strength if he carries on 
I just hope for his sake that he manages to get another one that the FIA don't cock up the, yeah, <laughs> the deciding you know race. What? He deserves so much better than people not knowing what the rules are and then Johnny Herbert yeah. going, oh, I think uh, oh, it's a penalty. Oh, I think you're world champion. Congratulations, maybe. Like, he deserves way better than that. Yeah. And then made to sit in a little room on his own in that <laughs> weird big red chair. That he that, that he promptly such left. The dumbest thing. He promptly left and went. I'm not sitting in there. I feel lonely. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, have you got your photo? Okay, I'm out. Do. Yeah, I um, find that no. kind of weird. I don't like this kind of um, sort of. I, I call it Verstappen-centric coverage, and um, <laughs> it seems like I guess like part of it is just them coming up with new ideas and trying to keep like a world champion being crowned as a fresh thing. But you can't help but feel that like they've gone. They feel it feels like they've gone out of their way a lot more than they ever did with any other world championship anyone else ever won, kind of thing. And it's like, do you really need to do that? I, the championship itself is quite prestigious. That like you don't need a throne to go. I with think it. part of that is because it's not Lewis Hamilton winning, and they were very conscious that Lewis Hamilton is world champion isn't much of a headline when he's already yeah. got three, four, five, six of them. Well, and that's I think that's part Abby of it. Abby, it's just it? like, that's oh, there's someone else. Quick, let's make a big deal of it. Right, should we move on? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still ranting. I'd... Yeah, <laughs> yeah we've got plenty more to be rant ranting. about, so let's crack on. So let's stop ranting about the FIA and their rules and rant about um, track proceedings and so on. Um so, I, I'm pretty sure most people are aware of this by now, but essentially after Signs crashed um, on the opening lap um, and the race was red flagged, there was a recovery tractor brought out to lift his car off the track and that plus a marshal stood around the front of the car essentially doing that sort of classic balancing job that they do whilst it's being lifted all unfolded whilst there were still live cars on the track essentially and mm -hmm. every, Gasly, every single car drove past yeah Gasly in particular was the one that stood out but I think other drivers also went past the tractor as it was um, so that was happening before the situation was red flagged yeah. and I... we've talked many times about the fact that as soon as you know that vehicle is not recoverable safely you should flip through the red flag and essentially you wait for that to be taken out and dealt and sort of the race suspended and everyone brought in before you start bringing recovery vehicles onto the track essentially yeah Simple. yeah well yeah like that's the thing i i don't i don't particularly want to talk about this for that long because it's just such yeah. a it's such an obvious thing that this shouldn't happen especially in conditions like this like yeah you've got uh, this look track. at the onboards like yeah well, that's, and that's the worst of it, isn't it? Like, at this track, uh, in these conditions, like... So many both, parallels to... Both to Gasly Saturdays. and um, Giorbianchi's dad both said that them doing that here is just horrifically disrespectful to his memory, and I completely agree with that. Like, like the, there was the report it that is, came but that, out... That, well, hang on a minute, because that, that makes it sound like they're doing it to disrespect... Bianchi, and that's just no, simply not the case. That's that's a bit far, I think. It's not, but when the report that came out after 
um, Bianchi's accident, literally said it is imperative to prevent a car ever hitting the crane and or marshals working near it. And here we are all these years later, same place, same conditions, and they've with clearly a, learned But with a mistake nothing. being made, obviously. It's a mistake that's being made, though, isn't it? So it's I not think good it's enough. Unf- I, think it's, I still think it's unfair to say it's disrespectful to someone's memory. I think it's a mistake. I mean, There's obviously... There's no doubt it's a mistake. Obviously, that's a very emotional thing, and they're both yeah. connected to the guys. But I don't know. I don't think I disagree that much. Like, the the respecting his memory would to be to do everything you can to make sure that never happens again. And they've done the opposite. They're putting, this, they're creating exactly the same, if not a worse yeah. situation. This time, the yeah. tractor was on the circuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. On the racing that. line as yeah. well. On the racing line. Not just on the track, on the racing line that you can barely see through because of the spray. Like, the, the thing is, it's, it, it's very easily solved. And it should be that no recovery vehicle enters that track until the red flag scenario has been played out and every single car is, like, accounted for back in... It's not park firm, is it? But, the, the, you know, the pit lane, the paddock. And the the ultimate... Worst case scenario, in my opinion, that that should be is every car has been accounted for as passing the incident. So say once Gasly's passed and someone's aware of who the last car is, it becomes slightly more acceptable to bring that tractor on to the track because yeah. you, you're you aware that everybody's um, passed. Yeah, the, well, the, the only time, I think the only time, if, if it's clearly a red flag situation, which it was, it always was in that in those conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, the only respect, the only safe, the only reasonable thing to do is to red flag it immediately, and or at least no virtual safety car straight away. As soon as that car's hit the barrier, it's push the virtual yeah. safety car button, and then uh, that immediately neutralizes it anyway because everyone's got a delta and everyone's got well, a slow right down. But then we went full safety. It was pretty car obvious thing, that we? it was. It, it was pretty obvious that it was going to be a red flag anyway. Yeah, but the the problem with the yeah. full safety car is people are still. You know, moving around. No, no, I'm just, I'm just saying, stuff. like that's that's kind of what what where we got to. We got to they threw a full safety car because they were aware it was gonna at minimum need the pack bunching up. Yeah, and then as soon as they realised that is not sufficient, like that process for me, that part of it was played out correctly to, for the most part because they initially threw a safety car, then upon be- being like sort of, I guess, made aware of where science's car was and um like how impossible it essentially was going to be to move it without a vehicle this they moved that to red flag the red flag should have properly probably come a lot sooner but the the general process of safety car okay we can't do this under safety car red flag that's the correct procedure that we want to be seeing mm, the, the, the you, problem you're, you're is starting the next out, steps Go on. you're missing something that so I think you need a virtual safety car before, in that situation you kind of need to call a virtual safety car straight away to neutralise all aspects of, of, of the driving potentially, the de- yeah, until then, the safety car so picks them me, up yeah, if you let me just, yeah, so the, the thing with the safety car is then picking up people's cars it doesn't take into account the fact that other people would have had their own incidents in those conditions and gone into the pits and fallen off the back of the field Mm -hmm. and be miles back, which is exactly why this entire scenario played out badly for for, uh, for Gasly in the first place. So the way you neutralize that is you, you call that virtual safety car straight away 
so that it gives you a moment to sort of step back and look at the field and see where everyone is. And then you can straight, as soon as you, you've got a, a handle on what's going on there, then you get the safety car proper out or you red flag it. You don't really need the, the, the safety car itself kind of inherently leads to cars going fast on track because there's going to be cars that are a lot further back that want to catch up to the tail of but the safety car. And they've got a lot here's of the other thing. Here's the other thing. In that scenario, why on earth is there not some form of delta for while they're behind the safety car? Well, there even is. if that delta, even if that delta is quicker than the safety car's pace to allow them to somewhat close that gap, it's a lot if, quicker if, than the safety car's pace. There is that exists. Yeah, that exactly, exactly. But it's too, what I'm saying is that is too high in that scenario. If if mm. Pierre Gasly is essentially allowed to be doing well over 200 kilometers per hour in what is somewhere around that track an unsafe position because the safety car has been called to clear up that situation, he should not be allowed to be doing 200 kph. And if they're doing yeah, like, like 100, if they're doing 100 or 50 or whatever it is behind the safety car, then yeah, I don't have necessarily have a problem with those off the tail end being, being allowed like a, a slight higher delta allowance to in order to to close the gap a little bit but there's no way that on a what is deemed an unsafe racetrack you should be allowed to be doing well over 200 kilometers per hour through especially an incident. in those conditions mm. and yeah. just like it's because, simple like you, but, you just I mean, race control need the ability to adjust the delta based on the to situation communicate, yeah. or, to communicate yeah. with every driver yeah. at once or let's maybe. take um the slow zones the um world endurance yeah. championship use. yeah yeah like there's so many solutions to it yeah and that for the, example that area coming out of the hairpin should have been a slow zone by yeah, exactly. world endurance standards because what, what the fia would say to that is that they've got double wave yellow flags around there and they would consider that themselves sufficient to be a slow zone it clearly but doesn't work like yeah clearly yeah and clearly. he's documenting as such then that yeah. through a double wave yellow slow zone you can't exceed I'm, 100 uh, please kph please no one no one take that as my opinion that's what I'm just no, no, saying we're just saying that like that is what should be being done it should be being treated so differently there, there's a much more much 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 more simple solution to all of this and that is a hard and fast rule that there are no service vehicles allowed onto the sort of danger zone of the circuit, be that gravel or be that on the tarmac, mm-hmm. while there are race cars on Agreed. the track circulating always the track. It's as simple it as that. Yeah. And the argument yeah. against that is always, oh, but does that mean you have to red flag every time a car goes off the track? And it's like, If that means no one dies, then yeah. Well, yeah, if that's what it comes to, then fair enough. And also, it's things are situational. Like, read the situation and apply some sense. It doesn't have to be necessarily a hard and fast rule for every situation like have some mm. flexibility in your tool set and yeah well that, <laughs> i mean yeah and this is yeah. this is a mu- again we 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 point towards bigger problems with the FIA and with the way these races are run is they're just not flexible enough they're just no. not able to be agile enough to 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 react to situations in a in a proper fashion you know, you always end up with these like weird situations where they're where they're just making excuses for for things that they've done because they literally can't escape the bounds of their weirdly written rules. Which is yeah, why, yeah. again, that it just needs a massive overhaul. The whole thing needs a massive overhaul, and it's shown yeah. itself so clearly this last few races. Yeah, 
Um, one thing I think is really important to point out is that Sir Gasly was given a penalty for speeding under the safety oh, car, which outrageous. felt very <laughs> scapegoaty. Um, Gaslighting is, is what that Yeah, is. it's worth yep. pointing out that he the penalty he was given was for a completely different part of the track. That's true. So yeah, well, it's, that was <clears throat> so the penalty applied to when he was driving up um, towards one thirty R. Yeah. Um, and the actual incident itself was just after the hairpin. So, Which was probably the point he was on the radio raging, so you can maybe forgive him for having a slightly heavy foot at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but even so, like he's st- no, even so, he's still driving below his delta. That's the thing. He's got the display on his on his thing because in his mind, he's a race driver. He wants to optimize his race and he wants to make sure he gets on the back of that field. Even if yeah. even if there are red flags around, he's, at that point he probably is raging to the point he's not noticed the red flags because mm-hmm. he's just almost died. But, and that's yeah. it, isn't it? It's just like, well, no matter what you uh, want to think, ultimately, a racing driver is going to drive as fast as you allow yeah. them to at any given moment. So yeah. it's no yeah. good saying, oh, they should have seen the yellows and slowed down. Like, if the rules say they can go this fast, they're going to go this fast. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just want to say, like, I don't, you know, my my, my point about the, um, the uh, disrespect to Bianchi thing, like, I'm not... I'm not against, like, you know, I do remember everything that happened to Jules Benji. It was horrible. And, you know, obviously, I want all the drivers to be safe. I just, my point about it is, this is a mistake. A mistake has been made by someone here. And that kind of language makes it feel as though they're doing it in They're doing it, it's almost like, it's yeah. quite emotional language. Mm-hmm. And no, that's fair. This objectively, this is a mistake that's been made. There's no emotion involved here. This is just someone's balls up massively. Mm. So, I don't think it's fair to whoever that person is. That is a that is one person who's who's made this mistake. At the end of it all, we can argue about it all we want, and we can we can talk about sort of whose fault it is. But at the end of the day, it is one person's fault. And for those, for, you know, for everyone to be piling in saying this individual's mistake is disrespectful to this person. How would you, you know, if you've made a mistake and then suddenly these accusations being thrown at you, you're saying you're disrespectful to someone, that's not a nice feeling. It, and, no, it's, it's fair. It's not, it doesn't help the situation, does yeah, it? That's all, that's, that's all I'm, you know, I'm trying to look at the whole thing from an objective point of view rather than an emotional point of view. And I feel I, like I that, think, that kind of language is a bit too emotional for the situation. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's 50-50 for me. Like, I agree that it's a mistake and like targeting one person over over it is far too extreme. I agree with that. The problem for me where lies when mistakes like that are allowed to happen and do yeah. lead to much more dire consequences. Yeah. The FIA controlling that situation as a whole should yeah. not be allowing anyone to even enter a service vehicle until they are aware that that track is safe in terms of cars have left it. At that point, and that point alone, should recovery vehicles then become like manned and used? No, I don't know. I think you need people in the car, in the service vehicles, because look at Grosjean in Bahrain. You know, you need yeah, you someone don't, there ready to go to get. Yeah, but you don't need a cra- you don't need the crane and tractor for that. Not you, need, you need away, a medical vehicle. You need a medical you, vehicle. Yeah, that, but that's like, very different. Okay, okay, okay. I'm talking about a specific specific category of vehicle here, which is the the big recovery stuff and the, yeah, the okay. trucks and whatever. Just 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 saving you from the Twitter mob there, Tom. <laughs> I mean, they can come for me all they want. I really don't care. <laughs> I'd appreciate some interaction on my account. 
Should we should we talk about some racing? Some actual yeah, racing. Yeah, let's actual talk let's talk about some happened. actual good stuff because I'm tired of the moaning now. Um Vettel versus Alonso. That was so good. Um so I guess start with Vettel. He uh, managed to qualify ninth and afterwards he basically said laps like that make him sad that he's retiring from the sport. <laughs> um sadly he got spun uh well got spun is maybe mm. apportioning blame but he had he a spin after contact with Alonso um <laughs> on the first start um but he was one of if not the first to switch to inters um in fact I can tell you he was the first to switch to inters um which worked out amazingly for him he undercut his way from the back all the way up to sixth place um Alonso sort of did the opposite and was one of the last ones to switch to Inters. Um, he actually, I think Alonso led the race for one lap. He was so late pitting for Inters. Um, and then he sort of like caught up the pack and worked his way through. Um, and yeah, we ended up with the two of them towards the tail end of the race, uh, fighting over sixth place, would it have been? Yeah. Alonso yeah, took that was... extra stop, didn't he, as well, towards the end. He did that really short stint at the end. Yes, the he did, didn't he? Because he saw the benefit of, I can't remember where it was, it was like Stroll and Sonoda and people pitted for another set and started setting really... Yeah, going like five Really decent decent lap times in comparison, so he dove in for some. And I mean, it nearly worked for him, but it wasn't enough to surmount what Vettel was doing. Um, Like Vettel doing that whole stint on one. Longest interstint between him and Latifi, wasn't it? Yep. Um, And then that final lap fight was just unreal especially with, with alonzo's yeah. um helmet cam watching it as well well um, was it final lap or was it <laughs> well they probably didn't think it was the final <laughs> no, it was it point. was it was the, no no just because no one realized it doesn't mean that the rule wasn't implemented this is the one time the rule was done right <laughs> um but yeah just super entertaining stuff um and then with ocon also finishing fourth he had to hold off hamilton for big chunks of the race um really really good day for Alpine they've now gone yeah. back ahead of McLaren into fourth place the gap's 13 points now um, I just get the feeling that's just going to flip flop between the two teams mm. all the way to the better end work, better work to do for McLaren there though I think now. yeah they had yeah. a poor one um, I, yeah, Alpine it, it, had a new floor as well this race which seemed to have helped, helped them quite a lot it was weird because there were, there were spells where it looked like it might actually work out alright for McLaren wasn't there and then I think <laughs> It's, yeah, it just kind of went back and forth a bit for them, I think, that that entire race. It was a bit of a weird one. Because I do remember, I'm sure I remember a point where Ricardo and Norris were something like fifth and sixth together because of the way that people were pitting. And yes, they, they I, I, can't, I can't remember exactly how it played out, but I, I think it sort of dissolved quite quickly. But, you know, there were moments where I thought, oh, there might be a nice little um, sort of four-way battle between the four of them. But... It was Vettel that kind of threw himself into that rather than the McLarens. It was nice to see Vettel up there. Um, yeah, was, definitely. He's, he's the happiest I've seen him for a long time this weekend. Hmm. Yeah. Um, right, we're going to do something we haven't done in a very long time, if ever now. We're going to talk positively <laughs> about Nicholas Latifi. Um, <laughs> because he also, he pitted at the same time as Vettel, uh, one of the first uh, couple to do it, where which got him right up into the points. Uh, he lost the place to Russell, but he managed to hold off the McLaren till the end of the race uh, to finish ninth and get his first points of the season. Um, actually, a really good drive from Latifi, I thought. Yeah. Um, 
Fair and it actually means now every full-time driver has scored points uh, hey. this season. It's only Hulkenberg that's not scored any points in the table, but obviously he only did a couple of races. Yeah. Um, and I think that actually brings Latifi back ahead of De Vries in the championship as well, for what that's worth. <laughs> just, just about. Um, do you know what's weird? I mean, Stroll didn't necessarily have a good race overall because of his finishing position, but he had his moments, and it always makes me... Wonder about those two in the wet, in in the wet, in the wet. Even say it properly, mm-hmm. and it, it just makes me wonder. Like, is it that they just have zero regard for the fact that it's wet weather and <laughs> treacherous <laughs> conditions, and they just app? Like, I mean, look at Lance Stroll's opening lap. He absolutely sent it on everyone, and it was just it's like ridiculous. Is it? Is it that he's just? Is it blind of, look or is it scary? <laughs> Well, not not necessarily blind luck, but more that I don't know. Just like I, I, saying disregard is like a bit disrespectful, but like they just they they just want to drive like it's dry. Like it's it's a weird one, but they somehow you know managed to pull it off. It's just weird. Like like Lance does generally tend to have these really good starts and these really good overtakes in wet weather and like putting He's moves on some- people. And Latifi's had a like decent quality laps and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So like, I mean, I guess there's an element that is always the classic. Well, rain minimizes the aero benefits of each car and equalizes them a little bit. There is all that kind of stuff. But I do. I just feel like those two are a little bit like fearless, as in maybe it's a mentality of it's raining. This is my chance to actually like get on par performance car performance wise with those ahead of me. I'm gonna get whatever I can take. And it's just a bit yeah. more of a gung-ho attitude maybe from them both. I don't, I don't know. It, it just feels weird that like whenever it comes to weight races, those two sort of stand out a bit more than yeah. usual. Could, could be that there's a lot of retirements often in wet races as well. So <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, in fair, play, in fair play to Latifi, like, there's, t- there's only two retirements ahead of, yeah. that would well, have been I ahead mean, of him. And look where he is. Them, they both stayed in it. They're, neither of them retired in a race where yeah. it could have been very yeah. easy to be retired. So, which is half the battle, isn't it? In these conditions, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Should we do some awards and move on to the many other things we've got to talk about? Yeah. Yeah, we can try. <laughs> Should we do a driver of the day first? Like, do we have candidates? That's the question. I think there's there can a be few, only one. I think. I think there can be only one, can't they? It's Max? got to be Verstappen, surely. Oh, I thought he you were going to say Latifi. A, he was just completely <laughs> and utterly dominant. There's, there, no one could yeah, touch him. Yeah, it was, it was gone. What was it in the end? Something like twenty-five seconds, thirty 27. seconds. Twenty-seven. Yeah, there were good that drives. Is... There were good overtakes. There were good things that happened. But I think overall, driver of the day. There's just, you know, that that's my nomination. If you've got other people you want to mention, but yeah, I, I can't see past Verstappen. <sighs> I'm very happy to give Latifi some credit for what he's done, considering how much of a bad rap he normally gets mm-hmm. from us in terms of just slamming it every, every mm-hmm. occasion that we get opportunity to do so. So I'm, I'd definitely mention Latifi as a, you know, well done on... Like, well done you. Well done yeah. Latifi. <laughs> well done back. Latifi. Um, um, Ocon fourth is a good show as well yeah really good drive good yeah it was him. amazing to hold off hamilton the way he did yeah um, it looked like hamilton had some sort of power issues like it definitely wasn't as quick on the straights as what the uh alpine I think, was but still Al- Al- alpine's always quick on the straights though isn't it mercedes issues in general that car mm. terrible this weekend yeah it didn't look great did it well um, except for fp2 yeah. where they were both one two <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> feast and famine again with that car. Yeah. Uh, Vettel, yeah. I think, worth a mention as well. To drag that car into sixth was good and to hold off Alonso. But I'm inclined to agree with you, Stu, to be honest. That drive from Verstappen was something else. Like, yeah. It was a champion's it's a sh- drive. Yeah, it, it was a shame it was such an anticlimax. But in hindsight, what a way to wrap up a championship with a drive like that. Yeah. It's, it's a bit of a shame that it, it, it didn't get the fanfare that it deserved at no. the end. But, um, you know, at least we can go some way to giving it the fanfare it deserves right here. <laughs> right. Isn't that nice? I haven't got any fanfare music, sorry. <laughs> um, so, move of the day. There's a, there's a few candidates in it already. Um, there's... I can't remember this one. I'm, Chris, I'm guessing you... don't you remember this one? Put some of these one? The Russell and Sonoda one. Oh, Which one? that was a move and a half. Am I being side of... right, so before Dunlop? Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, the yes, 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 yeah, yeah, just before yeah, yeah. Dunlop. Amazing okay. overtake. Yeah. I remember. You, you, you can't overtake there. Round the outside. Crazy mad move. That was really good move. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was stroll start, obviously. Yeah. Um, you've um, got Alonso versus Hamilton um, with that at the hairpin. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. that was like Alonso with the back came end out kicking completely out, completely sideways. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then you've got uh, the Vettel and Alonso fight to the line. Yeah, well. that, that's great to look, interesting to look at. Like, really cool. To, I've seen a video of the, the two of them literally side by side going across the line. It's yeah. always exciting to see that. Um, but for me, it has to be it has to be Sonoda, uh, Sonoda, uh, Russell on Sonoda. Because I think I agree. Again, I think when when you have moves being made in places where you the least expect to see a move made, I think that's just such strong candidacy yeah. for for move of the day that I, I find it hard to like Alonso on Hamilton has merit. Like it's a um, it's a strong move, but it's in a place where you'd expect to see an overtake. So that's yeah. the only reason why I would give it to the other one because. Because yeah, any time I see an overtake in a weird place, I'm always happy. <laughs> yeah, um, I'd be happy to give you that for the unusual position. Yeah, unfortunately, as well, the Mercedes probably wasn't that much faster a car than the uh, AlphaTauri <laughs> yeah. in this yeah. race either. So it's not even like he just had massively more pace. Yeah. Right, and then the last one for this week in terms of awards. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? Where Where do we start? Where do we the- even start? There's well, a million candidates. Yeah, I mean, there's there's all of the rule nonsense. Not not even knowing if the world champion is the world champion or not. Everything about the tractors, but making Max sit in that weird chair. <laughs> was just, <laughs> why? Why did they feel the need to do that? What was so special about? It? Like it was a nice chair, but it wasn't like it was like it's a throne or something. It was yeah, just like a pretend like, throne, just a big chair. Here's a, a gesture, a well upholstered chair. Throne. Yeah, weird, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it was really weird. weird. I didn't really care for that, but um, I didn't really, I didn't actually see it because I missed the last two laps of the race and had to catch up later on. But um, hmm. and then I didn't watch the end of it because the very end of it because I, I, when I caught up, I watched the highlights. So yeah, anyway, yeah. Um, that's not content. Um, <laughs> it is now. <laughs> I think overall, the I think this list as a whole counts. Like the FIA's, I'll say it again: the FIA's inability to write a rule set, implement the rule set, stick to the rule set, be consistent with the rule set. You know, like 
they ticked every box of being crap this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've just I'm I'm so done with it. Like what something's gonna give. Like all these people who are watching sport. If 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 I if the three of us for year, however many years we've been doing this now we're so into Formula One. We love it so much. I am at a point where I'm like, I'm starting to not enjoy this anymore. And if someone who makes a podcast about a sport is in a position where they think they're falling out of love with a sport because of the way it's being run, then you got problems. Because if I'm thinking that, yeah. then what are the what are punters thinking? What mm-hmm. are regular old people thinking who who are not even close to as obsessed with this sport as what these, we are these yeah. last couple of seasons have just been a constant demonstration of the sport shooting itself in the foot over and over again <laughs> and they never mm. seem to learn to stop doing it and it's yeah it's incredibly frustrating and it, there's so much good in there like if you look back over this season and last there are so many amazing things we've talked about and it's always overshadowed by this Nonsense, unnecessary yeah. nonsense. We're always talking about the FIA. We're mm-hmm. constantly yeah. talking about the FIA. It feels like more and more and more. And I'm just—I said it earlier. I'm fed up of it. I think, I think the thing that I'd probably re-clarify for my own opinion is, I don't necessarily have a problem with the sport because at this moment in time, after the last two seasons up to this point, I officially see. F1 as a sport and the FIA as the sort of governing body as separate entities and for me the majority of the mess that the the whole scenario is in lays at the FIA's door yeah I, I mean don't get me wrong there's some cheesy corny yeah, like there's some, uh, some there's far, some yeah. stuff that's the sport I'm not saying that there isn't but it's not the perfect. vast majority of the stuff that makes me almost feel like like, do I even want to <laughs> carry on watching? Do I care anymore? Is, yeah. Yeah. Is generally an FIA cock up, not a Formula One. Like the Formula One stuff, I can, I can like take it on the chin as like, oh, that's a bit, bit cringe or whatever. That's a bit cheesy, a bit co- not for me, but doesn't affect the outcome of the sport that I'm enjoying. Yeah, you'll still watch yeah. a race. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And all I'll do is I'll not watch that. But stuff I, think, I don't like I'll just watch I think, the race I think but when the, the FIA screw up my races like yeah, that that's that's, where, that's what winds me up exactly I think that's where you start to get the problem is like you you get into a point where you can't watch a race for the FIA yeah, no, like, like, yeah like I'm not an enormous football fan but I feel the pain now that football fans have had in recent years of like the FIA bungling the VAR rules and changing the handball and offside rules this every time it, yeah. it's like the, the rule FIA. makers are damaging the sport that you love like you still yeah. love yeah. the the actual core of what it is you're watching but it's the people running it well, and applying the rules that are just a shambles that's yeah. a similar scenario though isn't it because like the FA actually run the sport it's FIFA and UEFA and so on that decide the rules and put things yeah, like VAR. Yeah, it's it's true, exactly yeah. the same sort of thing. It's a governing body that sat somewhere in a room in a single city and it probably spends very little very little to no time at events. Like, I mean, the mm. only time you really see FIA there is from a stewarding perspective. I mean... I don't know. Ben Sullivan shows up quite a lot, doesn't he? 
I mean, I've seen him twice this season, I think. But then, but you know, you don't know that. Like, they're, they're not they're not people who are on camera often, are they? So it's no. hard to that's that's a difficult one to quantify. Like we can't we can't go around saying that. Like we don't know that. Um, I just I just think that that that's the dividing line for me. Like there's there's a there's an association that is the the, the sport and manage the sport yeah. itself. I think that's and fair. then there's an organisation that manage the rules and the adjudication and so on. And the bigger problem for me at the minute is that organisation that does the rules and the adjudication yeah. and all that kind of I stuff. I guess it, it depends on like which side of it you're on as well because like without without saying too much, it's it's kind of like. I have less love for form than probably your average Formula One fan, just because of I've, I've seen everything. Circumstance. I've <laughs> seen how the sausage is made. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And having peeked behind the curtain, like you, I know like where certain mistakes are made and when how certain decisions are made outside of yeah, yeah. the FIA and how how some of the sort of the content is sometimes hand in hand with with um, trying to make the sport look as good as it possibly can in a given situation and i think mm. that's part maybe partly the reason that we didn't see really any on the on the world feed i don't recall seeing a single replay of the Gasly footage no. of um, thing this is all no, oh, no. close the, the only... mystery to anyone watching on the world no. feed you had you had to go get that yourself if you wanted that. I mean, exactly. I I did because I wanted to know what the situation was because, it, like, even I mean, for the same reasons, like F one TV sometimes show like little bits of onboards and replays that don't make the world feed, but even still, like, um, it was Palmer and I can't remember who else it was on commentary now off the top Probably of my head. Buxton, but I would have thought. No, it wasn't Buxton. It was somebody else. Uh, I'm sure somebody else who watches F one TV will. will Give me the name, but um, it was mainly Palmer's point anyway. Like Palmer was absolutely furious that they were allowing cars driving at pace past the track. Like obviously, he you know he's the guy that's been in the car. He he knows what that situation must be like to come up up against, and he was fuming and he was like, "I I haven't seen this yet, but if what I am being told is correct, and like he as the as the commentator wasn't allowed to like." be served a replay to to at least inform people what was going on it was like yeah. it was closed and he was furious because he he was basically obviously seeing and hearing certain things like off the grid and basically saying if that is what has happened i am livid and it's i can imagine that, like yeah. brundle for example had he been on sky would have probably been the same because he wasn't there this weekend for sky i don't think was he for that no moment. he wasn't i wish he was you know i really yeah, wish yeah. He was I, I on, think... um what's it called any <clears throat> driven monday that the little Show yeah. Sky do. Um, I saw a clip that earlier when they talked to him, and he was as upset about it as you can imagine. I, I think, I, I personally, from someone who like gets the coverage through F1 TV these days, I'm starting to quite like Julian Palmer in that sort of former driver analysis seat that Brundle's always really had. Yeah, really and I think good. he's very, very good at doing exactly what Brundle does of putting like a a respectable sort of drivers opinion on things yeah. without overstepping a mark or anything like that and i think he's very very good at that do you um, ever see so his analysis jp's analysis on um yeah yeah on i've yeah. liked that for a he's while very, he's very good it's very yeah. good to watch very it's um, very good insight so free plug for you there formula One management yeah. <laughs> um, shall yeah. we move to another thing <laughs> should we do predictions yes because we can actually all be 
slightly happy about predictions for once. <laughs> we all copied each other and it paid <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, we all went double Verstappen and got two points apiece. Didn't get anything else between the no. three of us, but we so got it the important ones. So nothing for us, really. Basically, that is exactly yeah. correct. Um, in terms of the overall results, uh, the best point scorers were all three-pointers and they were basically either... I mean, all, in fact, I'm going to say all bar one were Max Verstappen, Max Verstappen with 18 finishes. The only one that was different was Sarah Mella, who was Max Verstappen, Max Verstappen, George Russell eighth. So all the, there's a lot of people scored three points, like 20-something, so I can't, I can't read all the names. Um, although, weirdly, nobody got... Um, nobody managed to get Carlos Sainz's first DNF. Um, so there's a handful of half points that have gone out to about four or five people um, who did have Albon down. So congratulations to you. Um, in terms of the overall fantasy, uh, sorry, fantasy predictions league even, get that right, um, we're looking at a situation now where, let's have a look, if it decides it wants to load, my internet's playing up. Okay, there we go. Uh, John Murphy now sits on the top with 29 and a half points. So that half point for Albon, maybe John Murphy was one of those people and <laughs> it's allowed them to leapfrog to the top because Jana Berger is second on 29 exactly. So it, it could have made all the difference. Um, and then Jim Bob Blair is in third on 28 points with a, a bunch of other people very close behind. Um, do you want to know where you two are at this stage in the season? We don't yeah, really cover on. that anymore, do we? No. <laughs> I mean, Stu, you've got... I nearly swore them when I read how many points you got. Stu, you've got seven and a half points. Three. Um, yeah. 374th in the chat yeah. standings. <laughs> uh, Chris, you have 19 points. And I have 24 at the moment. So and how many the leader got right now? 29 and a half. <sighs> Grim. So... I mean, it's doable for you. You just need some big weekends. Just need two yeah. perfect just keep, weekends just, in a row. Just unless, keep going unless, double fair. Um, unless the season ends a race early, then maybe. Yeah. <laughs> just double double for Stappen for the rest of the season. Just do it. Um, so that is that. Um, in terms of um, fantasy, we've got grid rival as well. Um, so there's a couple of congratulations in order there. Um, we've got um, Ricard. No, Raniel. I, can't, I don't know if I can say this. Imagine Daniel Ricciardo if you replaced and swapped the other first letters yep, of the right. around. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm not going to read it out. <laughs> I, I mean, I could, but yeah. So Daniel Ricciardo, but the other way around with the letters. 1,097 points. Well done to you. You're this week's top uh, grid rival team. Um, is it my or is it Mal? I can't read it. The font's too small. Mal with 1,018 points. And ICH 1209 with 1,017 points. Um, and then in terms of the overall standings, I'm pretty sure we're kind of as is at the moment. I'm just double checking to make sure before I actually confirm that. Um, yeah, so Green Lantern Core stays number one. Team Odors stays number two. Oh, sorry, Effortless Lee has actually leapfrogged a couple of people to get back into third place. Some very... Um, persistent names that keep coming back into that top three though so uh well done lee you've you've kind of leapfrogged a couple of people to get back up to third and that's that um if anyone wants to get involved with this come america it's all all still open and head to back of the grid.com where you can register to join the predictions league and there's also a link on the site for fantasy leagues where you can hop over and join grid rival grid rival is a little bit harder to join now but 
why not get registered and get used to it because we'll be doing it next season yeah get your head around it yep yeah Right, gentlemen, shall we do some inbox? We've got some news no, to do some, first. Some news first. Oh, you want to do the news first? Big news Sorry, to do. I'm just so used to my autopilot of that exact <laughs> line that I said and then pressing the button. So, yeah, we'll do news first. That's good. Right. Um, we've got the budget cap results, finally, after a several-day delay. Um, <laughs> well, they fudged it to... <laughs> Who, who oh, please um, don't start please don't be a twitter conspiracy <laughs> theorist too. so the results are a procedural breach by aston martin which essentially sounds much the same as what happened to williams earlier this year which is probably like they've missed a deadline or done some paperwork wrong yeah, or something some, some box fairly uninteresting been done properly yet and despite all the rumours of Red Bull spending a billion dollars more than they were supposed to, <laughs> Red Bull have committed a minor overspend, which is um, 5% or less over the budget cap, which is roughly $7 million. So they've... Yeah. 7 million is the maximum it can be, I think, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so they've overspent right? by somewhere be- between a cent and $7 million. Where it lands on they that, reckon, I've, I read somewhere, I won't say where, but I read somewhere earlier that, well, I, I mean, it's a reliable place where I read it from, um, that it's around about two million That's pounds, what I've seen, yeah, like one and a half to two million. Yeah, which in 2021 money relates to about... The same in dollars. Two, two, <laughs> no, two, no, no, not in... We're talking about 2021. Oh, um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's, it's about... $2.75 million. Yeah. Which is quite a lot, I think. It is. But let's um, uh, let's do the, the, the points and then we can start talking about it. Yeah, so there's no no word on what penalties will be given out yet. The FI have said they're determining the appropriate course of action. Um, as we sort of said last week, penalties are everything from a reprimand to points deductions to being thrown out of championships to limits on aero testing reduction in cost caps there's lots of different routes that can go down uh red bull have said we note the findings of the fia um with surprise and disappointment our 2021 submission was below the cost cap limit so we need to carefully review the fia's findings as our belief remains that the relevant costs are under the 2021 cost cap um so yeah i mean this is like a big old test for F1 and the FIA now to decide how this is policed. Yeah, because I think it's, it kind of stinks, eh? As, uh, the, the worst bit is obviously not being able to ever really know the details of it because, I mean, if there's a... Well, they might. We might find out. Yeah, yeah we might. I mean, I, I kind of I kind of hope we do because yeah. it's, it's more the fact that, like, um, Red Bull believe... Well, the, you know, the the line they give out to the media is, we believe we've submitted costs that come under the budget and the investigations essentially deem that they were over budget. So there's, there's clearly something that by, like, the, the rules in Red Bull's opinion shouldn't count towards the cap that is being counted towards it. it, it that's, in short, what Red Bull are trying to say. That we've yeah. made something less and yeah. they're I've totally seen, a little bit more. So I've seen arguments that people are saying, oh, they've only spent it on catering. And, yeah, and that's, that's the thing. That, that, doesn't, I... that doesn't add up to me. That, 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 doesn't, that argument falls apart immediately because the money that you've gone over, the reason you've spent more money 
on your catering is because you've already spent too much on your developing exactly year. yeah where you spent <laughs> it doesn't really matter doesn't <laughs> like, really, yeah it's a finite number and yeah. you've gone over that limit so therefore yeah. you you have it absolutely has to be punished <laughs> in some way yeah it doesn't matter if it's the first million that goes on catering or the last million over budget yeah, that goes on exactly, catering. You're yeah. still over budget. Still over. What a, what a dumb <laughs> argument to make. And like, like it just it falls apart immediately. A, a way I sort of described was like if you get to like towards the end of the season, there's four aces left, and you've run out of food, I've run out of money to pay the team. Maybe don't spend any more money on that new front wing and like yeah. feed the people. Like it just, yeah, it just exactly. yeah, like you say, it falls apart immediately. Um, terrible argument I think the yeah. teams are going to be really upset I think you know some of the rhetoric coming from the teams saying sort of every what million or 100k I can't remember which it was like a certain, a certain figure is equivalent to a tenth on track and that's hard to quantify but when they've spent <laughs> sort of nearly three million dollars and if each million dollars is even if each million dollars is a tenth then you're talking three temps that in formula one that's huge huge margin that's like a that's a quantum leap in pace so. part, part of me would absolutely love it if red bull had actually spent like more or less the same amount as like ferrari and, and mercedes and so on on the car development and they generally had spent like 10 million more than anyone else on food <laughs> like that would be it would be, it, would, it would be so funny if you actually like stacked it up as <laughs> like, like the they've all, they've all spent huge. 120 million on the car but red bull decided to spend 50 million on on partying <laughs> <laughs> that would be yeah, so I, funny. I, I bet their dj bill is a fortune yeah it's like <clears throat> Oh, like I'm sorry we overspent, but we won so much we had to keep. We had to get the DJ so much money. Yeah. yeah. Oh God, that's awful. We're the real victims here. <laughs> but um, no, I think I think you know Ferrari and Mercedes are going to be really upset by. This. Oh yeah, I think, Like we're, we're we're in a sport here where you know a tenth is a tenth of a second is a tiny margin to to most people but in in formula one terms like a tenth of a second is quite a big and every tenth yeah you know, we talk a lot about marginal gains now 2.75 million dollars is not marginal that's that's no. a lot of money that is a lot yeah. of money even in formula one when there's a budget cap that's again when we're talking about marginal gains even if it's like what three-ish but two 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 and a half three percent over the budget cap that's still that's a huge margin that's that's three percent more than everyone else mm-hmm. mm. or three percent more than the person who has spent everyone else who's met the budget cap obviously there'll be teams who haven't met the budget cap it would be well well below it um, yeah and yeah like this is i think it's quite bad I, and this is not the the red bull hate this is just objective it's, like it doesn't matter who it is yeah um, yeah you'd, you'd, you'd when, not be when, happy whoever it is going over would you yeah if you were what 107 percent over the the qualifying time in formula one in on on a sunday on a sorry, on a saturday during qualifying you, you're not starting the race that's the rule yeah right although wing... that, that rule again is one of those things that just like <laughs> unless you've got a comparative lap time that would be within the one <laughs> yeah yeah but if um, your front wing was like five percent too big if your floor yeah. was five percent too oh. wide, or your DRS pushed. opened five percent too much, yeah, literally, 
and and look at you know if you well just just take that for a moment and think about Brazil last year when the Mercedes the gap in the Mercedes rear wing was yeah. two nanometers too thick. That's not yeah, even like a, hair's a fraction width. of percent. It's the width of a human hair too wide. The rear wing was, and they <clears throat> threw the book at him, sent him to the back of the grid. Now, if Red Bull can get away with spending. million dollars more than any other team then there's something seriously wrong with that I think so the question is then so so a a quote that's been banned around a lot is that when they announced these regulations in 2019 Ross Braun said it was important that the regulations had teeth and if you breach them you will be losing your championship so the question is now what do you think they are going to do Oh, Chris, you're putting us on the spot there. Mate. I am. I'm putting you on the spot. <clears throat> What's your gut feeling that the FIA are going to do over this? My gut I... feeling is I'll do nothing about it. And I nearly swore then, but I don't think <laughs> really anything. I, don't, I think they're going to do <laughs> I think they're just going to... Sorry, sorry. we said at the start of this that we weren't going to swear and we're going to try and make it easy for everyone. At least that's an easy one. <laughs> Honestly, like I, I, based on what I've seen so far this season and how limp the FIA have been to... <laughs> you're looking up as I say it. Um... How, how useless they've been in terms of implementing their own rules and even understanding their own rules, never, let alone writing them. Um, I can't see much coming of it, especially based on what Ferrari, what happened with Ferrari and what's even happened uh, with Mercedes in the past as well. So I, I think nothing's going to happen. I imagine the um, worst case scenario for Red Bull is probably some kind of points deduction that they'll begin next season with. I think that's genuinely the worst case scenario that they'll find themselves in. And that's me being be... sort of optimistic of the FIA deciding to like put some mm. kind of punishment out. I mean, it's it's difficult. We've talked about this a bit in recent weeks because of all this sort of bubbling to the surface. But the, the <laughs> thing that's difficult is you've got to do the books of the last season during this season. And by the time that's all done, you're almost at the end of this season. So you sort of you're in a position where it's difficult to actively penalise someone for for the actual breach. But, I mean, when it comes to things like sort of football teams not meeting, in, in terms of like British football teams anyway, not meeting certain uh, financial fair play regulations, which is, a, I guess, a similar comparative term for those that you know English football, British football, what tends to happen is if that's found out, whether it's a, a season two or three later on, the the either the ongoing season or the next season is essentially um, deducted X number of points. And yeah, it's essentially it's ultimately like relegation. You know, a lot of teams in that scenario struggle to overcome. It's not impossible, but they struggle to overcome but, it. Uh, so what uh, you would need to be doing is like throwing 50, 100 point deduction at somebody, I think, yeah. to... I don't to to quantify idea. the difference, but it's yeah, just it about to, where it you has do to apply it because the, the team and the driver. It should apply to yeah, the I think that's that's hmm. the difficult thing. Like it because the thing that's difficult is like imagine so like here's just a hypothetical. This is why the FIA need to play out their own rules, like what we've said to, already tonight. Hypothetical for you, Red Bull get given a two hundred point total deduction. And they quantify that as 100 points in the constructors, 50 per driver, argument's sake. Verstappen 
leaves Red Bull the end of this season, goes to wherever, it doesn't matter, leaves the sport, goes to another team. Whoever comes up into that team is ultimately handed a 50 place uh, 50 point <laughs> deduction because yeah. they've joined Red well, it depends, Bull it, it, that like, depends on what punishment you hand out though doesn't it uh, yeah yeah but like, what, what I'm saying is you, you need in my opinion you need to punish like the drivers championship as well as the constructors championship because for sure I guarantee you there's teams out there that if only the constructors championship gets punished they will just see Red that as Bull. a sacrifice yeah. to win the world driver. Red Bull and Ferrari. I think the only team that would genuinely, at this moment in time, see the constructors' deduction as a punishment is Mercedes. Yeah. And that's because Mercedes are one of the only teams in recent years who like, really do care about winning the constructors as well. All the teams say it, but ultimately, the vast no. majority of them only care about the drivers' championship, I think. No, I, d- I disagree with that. I think I think the top. I think you're right about the top teams. I think like Ferrari and Red Bull, you're right about. But I think the the prize money from that you win from finishing higher up yeah, in the constructors' true. championship makes such a difference to the teams lower down that I think they do really really care about it. I think that's why you need to hit them ultimately. Yeah. Is the but prize I think it doesn't money? Make, so I don't think it makes a difference to Red Bull because Red Bull are already making enough money. So before the, we've even met the budget cap, I mean, figures came out the other day for Mercedes saying that they'd absolutely massively, but they're they're hugely in profit because they've laid loads of staff off because of the budget cap, and they've only spent so much on the car over the course of a season, and they've made something like sixty million. But then, and, would that not mean that the constructors' prize is actually pretty worthless to those teams anyway? So. They yeah. would be more willing to sacrifice the constructors exactly. well, to get a world that's, title. Well, that's yeah. that's what I was saying. That's that's why I was agreeing with you because it's it's the same for Ferrari and Red Bull. Like they, they're already making so much yeah. money, so I'm agreeing with you there. Um, but like the teams lower down, with say you know your, your McLarens, your Williams, your I, I want to say Alpha Tauri, but probably not Alpha Tauri. Um, you know, basically everyone in the in the bottom seven, other than Alpha Tauri, mm. then. They all need those constructors points. They all I get think, that money from winning. I think the 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 interesting bit about it is is if you deduct a team, just deduct them points from the constructors championship, and not like exclude them from one. What ends up happening is the general scenario will play out in the sense that Red Bull might have a brilliant car and win the world drivers championship but they'll probably come yeah. second in the constructors because of a deduction and all that'll happen is Ferrari or Mercedes whoever's the next closest team will take first but then it'll be status quo down the rest of the grid like Williams Haas whoever will still be like fighting over 10th 9th 8th and so on yeah. so it doesn't really have a positive impact for the teams that are well under budget what, yeah. what I would say needs to happen is not necessarily a points deduction, but the prize money exclusion, because yeah, all, all, although although you make the point that Mercedes, Ferrari, Red Bull, and arguably McLaren with the sponsorship deals that they have possibly don't need that constructors money as much with a budget cap. What would be nicer is that for the teams that didn't cheat, that prize pot is actually increased so that yeah. it's filtered all the way down the grid so yeah. that. For just for easy maths, like the hundred million that would have gone to first in the drivers' uh, constructors' championship, sorry, 
is actually put back into the pot and then divided in the same way amongst everybody else. So that those teams down the grid that have stayed well within the rules, like your Williams, your Hasses and so on, are actually benefiting from that because a team higher up is effectively cheated. Really quickly as well, Chris, just before you come in, I think the thing to be wary of is like if you're if you're deducting constructors points, then you also have to you know we're speaking earlier about like how one rule has an effect on the other rule mm-hmm. and how yeah. like these things sort of can spread really easily and get out of control like, as the way they have. Um mm-hmm. if you dock points from Red Bull, say, and they finish up, I don't know, third for argument's sake, let's say third in the season. Suddenly, you, you, the other thing you have to make sure that you do is make sure they don't get the extra wind tunnel time yep, from finishing that's the third. Next thing. Yeah, yeah, and all that that's, kind of thing. There's all these like dynamics to it that it's never as simple as just take the points off of them and take the money off of them. Kind of why I like all the money in the world. That's kind of why I like the not giving them constructors money. In in the reason why I think that sort of plays out is because let them finish first because they'll have less wind tunnel time than anybody else the following season. Like, actually let them finish first, just don't give them the money for it and they essentially boost everybody below them by giving them extra money so that next season, Red Bull have far less wind tunnel time than anyone else, but Haas have suddenly got an extra 10 million to spend with their extra time that they've got and suddenly become on par. Well, oh, they're not going to be on par overnight, but mm-hmm. they're more of a threat yeah, than the following season. <sighs> That leads on to another problem that the FII have, though, which is, and it's it's not a unique problem to Formula One, but it's certainly a problem that, like, like you, you see points deductions, like we've said, in, like, football, rugby, whatever. Those football teams, rugby teams, that are given the points deductions, they exist to play that sport, and they will do everything they can to survive regardless. If you go to Red Bull and say, we're cutting your CFD time, cutting your winter time, we're starting your minus 50 points. Oh, but actually, could you still turn up and spend 140 million a year so we have a competitive series? Red Bull are at best going to say, no, we're going to spend the minimum possible and we'll tootle around at the back until you let us have a like proper playing field again. Or at worst, they'll say, no, that's a complete waste of our money and they'll bounce and suddenly we've got four less cars on the grid. So... It, it's not as simple as just like, oh, we'll penalise them a bunch and then in a few years' time they can compete again because... it's a very good point. Are they going to want to spend $140 million a year on that? Probably not. Well, they're it's not spending really... $140 million on Formula One, though. They're spending it on car development and on staff and on well, everything yeah. else, aren't they? Like, inherently, too, they are spending it to compete with Formula One, but Formula One, per se, aren't getting that money off of Red Bull, are they? They're... they're they're spending that money in order to be able to compete. Yeah, they are. They're spending it on hospitality, allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. DJs, it's... DJs and hospitality. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. I don't know how long it's going to take them to decide on the penalties. They've not announced anything yet. We'll have to wait and yeah. see and see what the fallout is because, as we said before... Game. Go on. What, what would be the funnest punishment that you can think of for... Uh, for Red Bull for this I've got one go on you put a a big you make the car have like the big shape of a big hat on it and it just <laughs> says cheat 
across the room. <laughs> and that like on top of the airbox. Yeah, it has to be aerodynamically <laughs> like integrated into the car. And they have to spend the entire season next year running around the circuits with that. They're not allowed a rear wing. Adrian knew he'd find a way to make the big hat like the most aerodynamically yeah. advantageous thing in the world. But then fair enough. Then yeah. if, he, if he can do that, then absolutely fair enough. But I am mandating the shape of it to a very specific shape that is very unaerodynamic. So. Yeah. I saw someone in the chat suggest that um, we have no Dutch Grand Prix for a couple of years. It should actually be a <laughs> yeah, no, no penalty home. for Red Bull. That's good. Home, home stadium God, removal. Cost, I think that, that cost Formula <laughs> One more than it would Red Bull, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Or just make, maybe make them just drive a, a completely plain white car that can have no branding whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like, that you, we know you're only here as a marketing exercise, so you can do no marketing. It, it just looked like a Stuart GP then. Yeah, <laughs> if you remember, Which actually that. was pretty yeah. white. It was white with like a tiny little strip of tartan on it, and that was it. Good looking car. Hesketh. Hesketh. That was yeah, non branded. Yeah, that was just all white with a couple Braun. of stripes. Yeah. yeah. Best some of the best cars, car some of the nicest yeah. looking cars. No, don't let him. Don't let him have There's that. Something don't let him have it. There's something in that. Isn't <laughs> oh, there? that can. No, they have to paint it. You know that that color that they uh, make cigarette packets have to be in this country. It's like oh, that dark statistically the least appealing color possible. <laughs> <laughs> um, to have, like, that's good. Cheat, just cheat. Plus the down each side. <laughs> <laughs> Macheco in the chat said, "Comic Sans as well for all the branding on the car." Ooh, <laughs> which <I'm> like, <laughs> I won't wish that on anyone. <laughs> Um, right, a couple of other bits of news, which, to be honest, is just wrapping stuff up because we've talked about this being a possibility yeah, we need to for some time now. Power through now, don't we? Yeah. Um, it's been confirmed that Red Bull have released Pierre Gasly a year early, and he's going to be joining Alpine on a multi-year deal uh, next year. Ends um, nine years that Gasly's been associated with Red Bull. Uh, some mm. reports have said Alpine have had to pay as much as ten million dollars in fees to Red Bull to release Gasly from his contract, which really wanting them. Yeah, um, good move for Gasly. I think he needed to get out of the Red Bull program. Alpine looks like a well, in terms of the car, a good place to go. In terms of the team, yeah, yeah, it looks like a nice home for him. Like French, all French team, so that's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, so. It's also been confirmed that De Vries is going to Alteri to replace him. Um, to freeze has managed to drive for four different teams this year and then get signed for a fifth different team. <laughs> so that's literally I half think, the grid. You know what? There, there can't be that many people alive who've driven more different teams Formula One cars. Than it's Nick crazy, isn't at this it? Point. Having not even been yeah. an actual Formula, Formula One, One driver. driver. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mad. Uh, it's, it's yeah, it's insane. Um, I don't know if he'll... it's a great move for Nick DeFreeze either. He was on the he was on the Mercedes program, but then and McLaren. I mean, point. he's been on McLarens as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so given yeah, how so, good the, the Red Bull is at the moment then maybe it's a great move for him yeah uh, he'll next year he'll be the 5th F2 or GP2 champion on the grid and he'll be 6th if Mick Schumacher managed to uh, keep his seat but um, all the rest see... of them moved up within a year or two and he's had to wait like 3 or 4 years for his chance but yeah. he made it can, can you see De Vries, De Vries making his way up to the Red Bull team yeah if he performs if he, yeah, I think if he performs and Checo, you know, depending on what happens with Checo's contract, like he might do like a double Dutch team. If he, well, yeah, this freeze. is it, isn't it? Like we're going to have two two Dutch drivers for Red Bull, two French drivers for Alpine. 
we've got two British drivers at two Mercedes, Brits Mercedes, which, Mercedes, which in theory doesn't work, but in practice, Mercedes are, are essentially a British team in all but yeah. registration. Um, yeah, um, need some American drivers at Haas now. I'd like to yeah. see. I would like to. See, you know, I would prefer to see Nick De Vries in the Red Bull proper than I do Sergio Perez. I'd like to see what he could do against Verstappen. I don't yeah. think he's as good as Verstappen, but I think he's got the potential to at least be better than a lot of the number two drivers at Red Bull in recent years. Yeah, yeah I think... I'd, I'd, like, I'd like to see it fall. Uh, he's got the potential to be a good yeah. Yeah, a good replacement when Perez um, leaves or is, is booted. Yeah, I think... Um, and then last bit of sad news... Leaving, <laughs> last bit of sort of sad news is that W Series, as rumoured, has cancelled the final two uh, rounds of their mm-hmm. season. So they were supposed to be racing Austin... And a double head with Mexico, but there's been a lot of financial concerns around the series, and they've decided to cancel the series. Um, which means Jamie Chadwick has been crowned champion for the third season in a row in a very lacklustre um, way. Um, Catherine Muir, who is the CEO of the series, said that she's confident they'll be racing next year um, and hopefully in the United States. And that as far as we're concerned, we want to keep the DNA of W Series going and it's our intention to still be providing all the expenses for the drivers. But she did also admit that while they expect to pay out all the prize money for this season, they can't be 100% certain they'll be able to yet. Um, It's a really sad state of affairs that they've got to this point. It sounds like they've been let down by um, some sponsors, which has got them into this situation. Yeah. I do question as well, though, what they were doing having races in Singapore and Mexico and the USA in what is only their third season. It feels a bit like they were trying to fly before they could walk as a series. Pushing a little bit hard, maybe, there. Yeah. Mm. I mean, there's, there's a reason that F2 and F3 don't, follow a lot of this flyaway. Mm. I mean like F3 is done for the season now isn't it um, yeah because it's only only F2 in Abu Dhabi yeah yeah that's right And but yeah like all this flyaway stint essentially F2 kind of stays away from because of the cost of like travelling around and all that kind of stuff and then the probably the main reason they go to Abu Dhabi is because of the young drivers test I don't think they'd be there I think the season would have ended like uh, towards the end of the European stint like it used to if it wasn't for the fact that they do the young driver's test in Abu Dhabi. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, maybe there's something to be learned from it, but it is, a, it is still a shame that they've ended up in the situation that they have and not been able to finish a season. Yeah, it really yeah. is. It sucks. I agree with all that. Um, not much more to add, but it's, it is a shame. Right, you can push your button now, Tom. Yeah. Okay, I'll push it now. Is uh, keep it saying now. But stay, but stay up. Box, box, box. Hey, man. We need we need to do this quick fire. Right? Rattle through. We had a lot of inbox this week, so we've had to be a bit uh, choosy. So apologies if we don't ask your question this week. Um, who wants to go first? Mm-hmm. I'll go. Go for um, it. Benson asks, was this Max's most dominant performance in a race all season, pulling 20 seconds out into the lead with seeming ooh, with seeming ease once we got going? Off the top of my head, I'm struggling to think of a more dominant drive, especially given the reduced number of laps it took for him to get that far ahead yeah. of everyone else. Yeah. 
yeah. think he was helped a lot in, in the beginning by the fact that he could actually see and no one else could but that definitely helps in those conditions yeah but beyond um, that but but to continue to pull such a huge gap even after sort of you know he's pulled ahead to the point I mean, once you're sort of three or four seconds behind that you can see enough that you can probably drive at a regular speed or at least yeah. a similar pace and he just kept pulling away so yeah it was amazing performance from Verstappen and probably it was his best of the season I would say yeah so far Tom? so far <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah next one Mick Checker uh, who do you think will come out on top at Alpine next season in the fight between Ocon and Gasly and who do you think would be their preferred number one driver as in Alpines I really don't know who's going to come out on top there and I love that and I'm really excited for that driver pairing I think they're going mm. to be pretty yeah. close here. like Ocon is quietly having a really good season this year yeah, um, yeah. And he's I think, on par with Alonso he's right up he's, he's competing yeah. with him. Um, I think I think that's going to be a peck of a fight next year yeah <laughs> I, I could I could see some Poor. Sorry, Paul in the chat said Alpine's favoured number one driver is Piastri. <laughs> yeah, he's still Piastri. He's, I mean, he's kind of true. <laughs> it's kind of true. Um, yeah, my my quick point on that would probably just be that I can imagine uh, some slight fireworks in that team next season. Just thinking back to what Ocon was like when he was competing with Perez, uh, uh, whichever name that team had at that point, racing point. Out and was it Racing Point? I don't know. It was pink. Um, <laughs> that era, guys. that era of that team when it was Ocon and Perez. Um, yeah, he was quite feisty with it, with his own teammate, like wanting to sort of prove a point. Yeah. And we know Gasly's quick. We know Gasly can be quite feisty when he wants to be behind the wheels. So I could see fireworks a couple of times next season. Maybe similar yeah, to that should be, season should be with the Perez. Pairing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next, a couple of questions on the similar lines. Uh, Paul says, Hey man, should the Japanese Grand Prix be moved later in the year after the clocks have changed in Europe like it used to be, so it's run earlier and therefore avoids them running out of light? They could also just start earlier. Question. Shout out to Paul's question format. Um, and Jamie Lawrence adds, Visibility seems to be the main factor in the race delay. What actions can F1 take to ensure situations like Spa and Japan don't happen in the future or at least minimize wait time? Um, reverse um, climate change maybe <laughs> well I, I included <laughs> I included both of these because I did read uh, one journalist say that supposedly F1 did talk about trying to move the Japanese Grand Prix earlier in the year to avoid this but the organisers were very set on they want to race at this time of year despite it being wet a lot of the time when they have it which seems an odd choice um well, I was just—I was talking about the, I was thinking about the visibility because, like, the main mm -hmm. sort of like issue with the weather is not the fact that there's low grip; it's the fact that they literally cannot see where they're going. Yeah. Um, mm. So maybe, like, I've been giving some thought to sort of wheel fairings and the idea of like when when they put on the wet tire because they have—I mean, they've got wheel hubs on the cars now. They mm. in the historically they've had wheel hubs that don't rotate with the wheel they aerodynamically they're designed to stay yeah. still and be weighted so that they don't spin around the you know the whole yeah the whole with the with the tire and um i wonder if there's some sort of aerodynamic device that you can put around 
a shroud almost to go around the whole wheel when you put a wet tire on that that stops the uh, the the water going up but honestly it's just like kind of like shower thoughts more than anything it's not it's really an interesting a... thought though because it is definitely um, like a particularly open wheel problem yeah. isn't it like yeah and it's like spray. can we go on with like can, so many times this season we've had it where we've not been able to race because of visibility in wet weather not because of grip and it's mm-hmm. like this is supposed to be an all weather sport you know like there's wet tires. We should be using them, and we're I not mean, using them because people can't see. You, you say that they, there's wet tires. It sounds to me like <laughs> the drivers are very, very much against using the current wet tires because they're not good enough. They basically said that you might as well risk the inters and try and clear the track that way. Um, I mean, point proven by the way that Vettel swapped when he did and was instantly making inroads to people. Yeah. in terms of lap time like the the crossover is just way too vast at the minute like and the risk of um, you know skating about on the inters outweighs the time that you lose by being on the wet it's like Pirelli really need to all the drivers are saying it Pirelli really need to look at the wet tyres and reassess the wet tyres yeah, if I, they want them to I be plausible limited, in the scenarios on what they can even do because you know think about the amount of water these things are distributing I think it's 80 litres a second, the full wet. I, I think and the problem is... That's per tyre. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think that bit is the problem, though, because if you run the tyre, then you're going to clear up the water pretty quick. The problem is, is that the teams and the drivers don't want to... Yeah, there is that. But I think that part of the problem is that the teams and the drivers aren't happy and comfortable on the tyre. Therefore, mm. don't want to run it. Therefore, in situations like this weekend, you don't clear up that water um because yeah, well, you're never little, little, little tidbit for you last last week we were talking about 30 liters of water per intermediate 85 <laughs> liters of water yeah. per wet. Eight, yeah around 80 <laughs> Depend, those stats, also it, it depends how fast the tire is 300 well. kilometers per hour <laughs> in that uh, which is achieved, think, which is achieved very often in wet weather but yeah as julian palmer would say uh yes you do he says down down the run to 130R, you'll easily hit 300k. Oh, yeah, 130R, you would. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, anyway, that's getting sidetracked. Like, I think the point is, is that the driver's been so adamant that the wet tire is like undrivable. I mean, it's not, but by their terms and standards, it is. Vettel, uh, Vettel, sorry, Verstappen, post race interview, he did like the, the group one that they always do, the podium one. Then they did a separate one with him, like as like sort of world champion interview. And in that interview, he was literally asked about the situation with the tyres. And he was saying, like, I can't understand why the tyre is offering us so little compared to previous iterations of wet tyre. Um, and if that means that we need to schedule more heavy wet testing, like, as in, like, you know, constantly sodden tracks with drivers running on them. Yeah. Well, yeah, but he was saying like, if that means, if it means putting in the hours to do that, he was basically saying like, you know, I and I'm sure the drivers will be happy to put the hours in to do the testing with them. But if that's what it takes, we should do that to generate a better wet weather tire, a better wet weather tire. Sorry, Mm -hmm. and I completely agree with him. Yeah, and I think that that sentiment is like up and down the grid. I don't think that's like he's vocalised it quite clearly there. But from what I've heard other drivers saying up and down the grid, it's very shared. That sentiment that the wet yeah. tire is just not good enough to give them the confidence to to race properly in it. Mm. But I think even then you're, you're always going to have the issue with spray as well. 
Like even if you're if you're yeah, even if you're on it, it's dry not going to solve that problem. Was, you still, the, the I agree. Open wheel racing generates huge amounts of spray, yeah. and you're not going to unless you put wheel fairings over it in in some of some description, then you're not going to get rid of the problem. And that that's half the, that is literally half the issue. Half the issue is grip, yeah, and tire quality. The other half is visibility. And to solve the visibility problem, you literally need to be doing something with the water to stop it going up in the air. So, yeah, who knows? So shall we do the next one? Go for it. Yeah. Cody B says, Jensen Button was a breath of fresh air in the commentary today, or yesterday. Um, do you think he deserves to be involved more often? And was today the worst the commentary has been in a while? Um, yes, Jensen Button was fantastic on the commentary. Um, is this is this our bias though, Chris? Or is no, it, he is was it genuinely I've, I've very good? I've seen a lot of people saying the same thing. He was genuinely extremely good. Like, good. He was very, just very good at explaining a lot of things. Like, obviously, he was always known as being very good in changeable conditions, and like he was doing a really good job of explaining, you know, the difference between the tires and why you want to change. He, as soon as Vettel pit, Jensen was like, "Yeah, he's nailed that." And then he was like, "Alonso needs to pit on this lap if he wants to get ahead of him." And he was absolutely right. And when Alonso waited and pit later on, Jensen's like, oh, no, he's pit too late now. He's going to come out in this position. And he was just, like, getting all the strategy calls absolutely spot on. He was, yeah, really, really good. And also, he didn't let Crofty steamroll him as well. Like, he was good. he was happy to just, like, hang on, let me finish this point because it's really important, while Crofty was yelling about an overtake that wasn't even happening. Um, yeah, he was very good. Yeah. And good, Crofty was appallingly bad. As, I, my, as to be player, honest, then. other than Jensen, Sky were missing most of the good people this weekend, and it really showed. Like, I can't comment from not seeing it, but I did also see a lot of negativity around. I think it was Johnny Herbert and Karun Chanduk regarding the whole Gasly and tractor scenario. Uh, yeah, well, I think, that, I think people jumped on that quite quick, though. I don't. I, think, I, I, I can't. Think yeah, I can't quite, comment. Karun was being quite objective. I think Johnny yeah, Herbert be, was being a bit nonsensical. But to be fair to Karun, he was just kind of talking the fact. But they definitely they leapt on the the problem was Gasly going too fast narrative yeah. way yeah. too quickly and just talked That's about what that. I read. For a ridiculous amount of time, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And people wonder why I've cancelled my Sky Sports. <laughs> <laughs> Tell who else was good this weekend, because I listened to some of free practice on the radio. Uh, Sam Bird was on BBC Radio, and he was also Very good. extremely good. Your boy. Your boy yeah, Sam your boy Bird. Sam. Who would have thought that form X racing drivers, or even current racing drivers in some cases, would be competent at describing a race weird right? going in front of them who'd have thought they know what they're looking at uh next one yeah, yeah let's do the next one uh dennis any thoughts on why everyone including the f1 app live commentary were wrong about half to no and full points and all that goings on uh looking back the wording is fairly straightforward it is very weird um it, yeah. it kind of just feels like a shared assumption, doesn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, it, it it does come back to one of the points from earlier of we've obviously not been in this precise scenario before and to be fair, like the entire collective community that is Formula 1 was basically assuming 
25% race distance and 50% race distance were the markers we were looking for regarding the points. My my baffling part of it is how nobody, like say at the FIA, yeah. thought to correct anyone at this point, other than the fact that they didn't even realise that that yeah. was the case, which, which just... It, it just sends me off on a tangent that I've already yeah. covered enough times on this that FIA are garbage. Okay, here's um, the, the question here is why everyone including the F1 app live commentary? So this person has been following the race through the F1 live app. Um, having done not commentary for Formula One, but for, for, for other sports, I can tell you that you'll usually watch, if you're doing online commentary, you're probably watching the world feed and the world yeah. feed has Crofty on it <laughs> and Crofty spent the entire race saying how half points yeah. were going to be awarded. Yeah. So what you are reading on, the, uh, now I don't know this for sure, but, and don't quote me on it, but there's a possibility that the person writing the app commentary was regurgitating what they were seeing on the world feed. I yeah, that's I mean, an unfair in, assumption. In that kind of role, you're essentially employed because you can listen to something and type it out at the same time. Yeah, you're not you're not employed because you understand Formula One in that particular role. I mean, I certainly didn't helps. understand Speedway when I was. <laughs> 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 but that, that's it. Like you, you, as a you're twenty-year-old, however young I was. <laughs> you're employed for a particular skill set, which is being able to take in, like, audio and transcribe it quickly. Um, so yeah, I mean the the F one TV feed was the same though. Like they they were constantly talking about the fact that we're at twenty five percent race distance now. That's this many points. Like you know we're talking about a battle for tenth, but it might not come to anything. Battle for ninth might not come to anything. Then we get fifty percent. It's like oh that point for ninth is now going to be in play because we're at half points. Like they were the full F one coverage directly was doing exactly the same thing of. Yeah. Uh, this massive assumption that we would be uh, uh, divided points depending on which column we fell into. Just a huge so. collective cock up. Yep. Last one, Last one, Chris. Last one. A good question to finish off from Garrett, actually. Simple one. Who lost the championship, Charles or Ferrari? Both of them. <laughs> Combined effort. I'm putting my hat in the bin, even though it's a science hat. <sighs> oh, it is. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is a combination, but if you had to, I think I apportion far more blame to Ferrari than I do to Charles. Put it that way. Well, they've, they've given him a car incapable of going through a season in yeah. the lead. They've gone from being the fastest car to being sometimes not even the second fastest car. Yeah, it makes you wonder how like, they've, they've spent the money. I think. Did- They've yeah. probably spent a I lot mean, of money they... early doors and didn't spend much for the remainder of the season. I don't recall yeah. seeing that much change to the Ferrari in the second half of the season. There reported. hasn't been. I mean, um, Jacques Clear did a... Uh, Jacques. Jacques Clear's French brother, Jacques. <laughs> yeah, that's, what, that's how you pronounce his first name, isn't it? Or is it just Jacques? Just oh, Jacques. Like his... Jacques. Mm, <laughs> Mr. J. Clear... <laughs> basically talked about some like floor stuff that they did for Singapore but mm. it sounds like it was minimal like it's not uh, yeah it's not like they're spending tons at this point in the season but I think they've probably resided themselves the fact that they're not catching for Stappen and Red Bull <laughs> so they're probably not going to be throwing much at it so yeah. probably not spending as much money over me so 
Did you um <laughs> did you see that picture of the of Max and Charles cars next to each other in Park Ferme after the race? No. I did not. Um having both just done what was it 21 laps on a set of intermediates. Mm. The inters on the Red Bull looked practically box fresh. The inters on the Ferrari barely got any tread on two thirds of them, and that obviously is there's overweight. a lot. Yeah, obviously there's a lot of factors at play, but that's like a story of the season in an image right there. Just yeah. munching yeah. away at its tires, massively overweight. That Ferrari. It's yeah. been it's been their problem for a number of races. That's what it's what's cost them in a number of races, isn't it? So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There we go. There we go. That is it. Um, do a quick plug for Patreon and Discord, because we talk about Discord quite a lot. But if you want to be part of it, the easy way is to head to patreon.com slash back of the grid, uh, because that's what gets you access. Here's a fun glimpse into the Discord, if you're not a member. Um, there was weirdly started talking about driver heights uh, early this week which led to somebody plotting a graph of the driver heights of every team in formula one over the last 22 years what yep that's that's that in our discord if you're interested uh yeah. in the relative driver heights across uh Dude, the last 22 the person, years seasons the person well, in question well named yeah it's max the person yeah, in question. Out for max for some Ma- highly well, important uh, in-depth data analysis Max I think either has a passion for data analysis or works in it because there's been so many spreadsheets and things that I've seen even just down to their own predictions and group friends of groups predictions and like whatever it is like there's so much analysis goes on from Max so well people worth it are, just for that people, people are amazing I love people people are truly amazing yeah, incredible. Um, yeah. One more thing to mention before we wrap up. Uh, we've done a lot of complaining today, and F1 <laughs> Twitter has been a the hot mess. E- even by F1 Twitter standards, it's been a hot mess the last couple of days. And mm-hmm. with this budget cap stuff, it's only going to get worse. But yeah. it's World Mental Health Day today. So everyone just like maybe just have some time off Twitter and go and just look after yourself and talk to some friends and just don't. Yeah. argue with people on the internet because it's ultimately not worth it and we're just here to watch some race cars yeah. and none of the rest of it really is important go and go and compliment someone yeah just go and say something nice about someone to someone to them have a bath and put on a face mask just do some self-care like wellness meditate look, pop a tape look, look at some flowers in the park <laughs> but look after yourself everyone yeah. It's a. It can be an absolute cesspool on the internet, and yeah, maybe yeah, avoid just temporarily the internet for like mute the, the term Formula of, One. Yeah, That's avoid fine. the internet for the next maybe four months until next season. <laughs> yeah, I know I will. No, uh, to be fair, after after this week, uh, when it comes to a, to Cota and onwards, this will probably be the most pleasant F one Twitter will be for. Three no, weeks no, there's going to be weeks. some. Much- Mate, there is going to be some mudslinging going on in this next week or two. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm talking about after that. I'm talking post. Oh, after that. Okay. That 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 sort of last month of the season might actually be relatively quiet because people will just give up at that point. Yeah. So I hope yeah. so. Anyway. Oh, what great <laughs> advice. Anyway, what great advice from Chris there. Yeah. Do something well done, nice, Chris. everyone. And I'm going to leave it on that because it's a nice note to finish on. So. 
we will be back next week to look ahead to uh, the US GP. Oh, and, and listeners who are going to be there, have a good time. Cause I, know I was, a yeah, I was just about to say, look out for back of the grid flags. I yes. want pictures of the flags, those who have them. Um, yeah, I don't think I, I, have, well, I, have a, I have an OG back of the grid flag, but I don't have a new one. I want a new flag. <laughs> you know where to order one. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everyone. No, that is it. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye. I'm officially calling this one the swear doc. I'm going to try not to swear. It's just going to be me timestamping swears. Because every, well, every time one of us swears, it's a job for someone who edits it to me. Yeah, I'll try not to swear. <laughs> it's as, long, as long as I catch them, it's fine, because I'll have the timestamps. <laughs> I mean, I can do my own. If you can give me a signal that you want to swear, I could probably press... <laughs> <laughs> The way to do it is to do it really long and then put little gaps in there and just put random words in, like oh, yeah. mango, FIA, Red Bull, World Championship, exactly shambles. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>